0: Hey everyone, my George Reeves Superman Rewatch podcast premieres Monday, September 19th, 2022. It's called Another Exciting Episode in the Adventures of Superman, and it's available now on all major podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more details about this all-new podcast series in this week's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Digging for Kryptonite, a Superman fan journey. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the unmade George Reeves movie, Superman and the Secret Planet, is the editor-in-chief of 13thDimension.com, Dan Greenfield. Welcome back.
1: Anthony, great to be here.
0: It's great to have you. I love that you wore a Batman shirt to a Superman recording. I'll let that slide. It's all right. Yes,
1: I did. (laughs) Yes.
0: Now, we are here to talk about Superman and the Secret Planet. This was an unproduced screenplay written by Adventures of Superman writer David Chandler during the run of the show that was intended to be a big budget theatrical movie and of course was never made. I actually have a question from one of my patrons, Brian, who said, did you read the online comic adaptation of the script? Brian, boy, did we? Because that's really what inspired this episode. There is this fan-made comic drawn by by artist Randy Garrett that brought this unproduced screenplay to life. And it's available at jimnolt.com, this wonderful resource for Adventures of Superman. And Fabulous. the reason why I even know about this and the reason why I wanted you to be on the show or one of the reasons is that I learned of this comic adaptation and by extension, the unmade screenplay itself through your website. You have a terrific article about it. I think the, the headline is, here's the Superman 55 comic that DC needs to publish. So, so walk me through how you came across this and how you got in contact with Randy Garrett. Cause I, you have an interview with him as well. I loved it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I have to tell you, it's been a few years since, you know, since I've, uh, since I published that And again, I, I just couldn't remember where I came across it. It was probably somebody had mentioned it on Facebook or something. And I was like, Oh, that's really fascinating. And I did a little digging. And like you mentioned, Jim Knowles' website, which is really a, a wonderful uh, repository of information on this show. And it links, you know, on the site is, is Randy Garrett's adaptation for this movie that, from what I understand, it was going to be made at the end of the series. I guess people were starting to figure it was time to move on, but it got shelved because both John, John Hamilton, who played Perry White, and George Reeves died within a year of each other. And so by the time they were ready to do this, obviously the, 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 you know, that was not going to be possible. But it's a, it, you know, Chandler wrote a number of uh, episodes of the series. And what I what I really enjoy about the the adaptation is that since it is taken from the actual script, the cadence, the language, it all fits. It, it really is the most um, authentic experience I've had so far in reading a comic book adaptation based on a TV show. Um, like the batman 66 stuff was good superman 78 batman 89 but even though batman 89 was written by Sam Ham it it feels completely different from what the movie was this actually feels like an episode an extended episode of of uh the adventures of superman and one with a much bigger budget so it it really is terrific and it plays with all sorts of sorts of uh, um uh, Superman background and backstory that the series really pretty much ignored. In a way, it's the first version of the Phantom Zone villains coming to Earth to try to take over. It's it's a, it's, it's it has real. It shares DNA with Superman too,
0: very much so. And you were previously on the show to talk about Superman seventy eight, and we had a great conversation right. about that. And you know, in that episode, I talked about how typically I've been a bit averse to these kinds of, of adaptations, but Superman 78 really turned me around uh, because as we talked about yeah. it, it just so felt like the world that Richard Donner had created, you felt like you were hearing the voices of the characters. And here right. it's the same thing, even more so, because like you said, this was written by someone who was writing episodes of the show. So it, it really, it pulls you right into that world. Quick side note, I just want to give a shout out to Sean Hendricks, owner of Fat Moose Comics in Whippany, New Jersey. You hear commercials for Fat Moose in all these episodes, but I wanted to give a personal shout out because on the note of Superman 78, when the hardcover came out a little while back, uh, he sent it to me. I I have the individual issues, but I was kind of toying with getting it because I was seeing everyone posting online and the, the cover is designed like a VHS tape. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's really cool. And I was the timing was kind of crazy because I late late one night. I was like, oh, maybe I'll order it. And I said, no, nah, it's OK. I'll wait. And literally the next day it showed up on the doorstep from Sean. So that's shout out nice. to Sean. I, I proudly have it on my shelf here. And um, again, I bring it up because it really did go a long way, I think, towards making me more primed
1: to enjoy something like this. Uh, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Reading Secret Planet was I wanted to see this movie. By the time I was done, I was like, "This would have been great." And there's there's some great bits where you can really see if they had the budget, what they would have been able to do. Now, of course, it still would have been late '50s, you know, sci-fi kind of special effects. It wasn't exactly going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick, but you know, it, 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 at it, at the same time, it could have been. You know, could have been Fantastic Planet or Forbidden Planet. I don't know because Forbidden Planet also has, for its time, pretty good, uh, pretty good effects.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, this would have been amazing to see. You know, one of the great what ifs when when it comes to Superman mythology Mm -hmm. generally, and especially Superman on screen. But I am I am immensely grateful to Randy Garrett and Jim Nolt for bringing it to life in this way. Now, I actually, I've not been able to come across the screenplay itself. I searched for it online and there were a couple of places where there were links to it, but the links were dead or they, you know, they went to a page that didn't exist anymore. Uh, I assume that, uh, you know, uh, Jim Nolte, you know, those guys would would have a copy. So maybe there's a way to get my hands on it. Have you ever seen the actual screenplay itself?
1: No no I haven't the only the closest I have is is reading you know reading the comic book that they have uh, hosted at the
0: site so it's 40 42 pages and they're all, pages. they're all available at, at the site and it is from all indications a very faithful adaptation of the screenplay uh, except where noted which is this extended epilogue that the guys created right. that really puts a nice button on both Superman and the Secret Planet, but also the entire series. I mean, really, if you're an Adventures of Superman fan and you haven't read this or weren't even aware of it, go to Jimnolt.com, read it. Uh, Again, I think it's a nice coda to everything that came before. And sadly, you know, as a as a fan of Adventures of Superman, you know, you never got a proper series finale, and this is, I I think, is is very satisfying in a lot of ways, and it pays off a couple of long running uh, uh, bits on the show. So. Uh, yeah, so it's very faithful except with this this epilogue, which actually added a lot. Like I'm really, I really tipped my hat to them for doing that. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up is uh, at the end of that interview, he talked about how he had heard from some folks at DC. Like there was the sense from folks at DC that they were following this as they as as he was putting it out and that they liked it. There was you know positive energy, but it wasn't to the level of DC ever trying to put forth a Superman 55 comic, a la. Batman 66 or Wonder Woman 77 or Superman 78 or so on. And that was actually one of the other questions from, from my patron, Brian, he says, rereading this makes, made me wish we could get a Superman 55 comic too. Yeah, that would be great. I know you've written about this. So what is your take on this?
1: Yeah, there's no, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, And, and the reason is at first it was, you know, a lot of these things were speculation. And again, going back to Batman is, is a lot of times it's all about likeness rights that has a huge thing to do with it, with these comics. And and if I go back to the Batman 66 comic and the Batman 66 merchandising that started about 10, eight to 10 years ago, and, you know, bringing that show back, back to the fore is that what you learned is a couple of things. First, you know, it's all about the likeness, rights. It's all about being able to get those. Now the issue with, with, george reeves it's not just that he died under mysterious circumstances that's that's not the issue the issue is whether or not there are any heirs out there now the belief is that he did not have children and that there's that that wouldn't be an issue but you never know if a niece a nephew, and nephew the only reason i know this is because dan did when he was still running dc comics uh, brought this up at a new york comic-con panel that i went to because i had it written about you know why we should they should publish this and why not and what 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 is the holdup and and evidently And at the time, anyway, this was a number of years ago now. I don't know if it's still the case, but I think that it's pretty much standard where if a company or a publisher like DC in something like this, since they're not sure whether there is an error out there, they're not sure if, you know, somewhere, you know, what they don't want to have happen is they print this thing, it becomes a big success. And then someone comes out of left field and says, you know, I own 25% of that, or you had no right to do it. So they tend to stay away from places or or uh, uh, images or likenesses for actors that they cannot affirmatively, you know, get get their you know or their state, get their uh, uh, signatures on a dotted line. So I think that given the way you know how many years have passed and 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 given everything that's gone on with George Reeves because he died, I mean, how many years now has it been? It's been uh, almost uh, it's been sixty some odd years ago that he died. Um, I think it's highly unlikely that they would do it. Now they could always roll, you know, roll the dice and see if anybody comes out of the woodwork. But you know, this is a corporate way of thinking, and so they're not likely to take that risk.
0: Yeah, that all makes sense and is a reasonable explanation. And I, I can't disprove or, or dispute that. I guess though, the cynical part in me wonders how much of a priority this would be for DC anyway. I, I, I never necessarily. Got oh, the I don't sense... think it would
1: be a priority for them at all right now. Yeah, I mean, I really don't. It's and and it's the same thing. It's and it's not just DC. It's it's um, uh, you know Warner Brothers consumer products and and what have you. I you know there's never been a line of of George Reeves Superman action figures. There's barely been a line of Christopher Reeve once, for that matter. Um, they've really just done they've they've done a few of the characters, but I think with with you know when it comes to this show. Considering that it ended in what 1958, the the market and the audience is shrinking by the day. You know, it's just you know we're guys like us we're into it because we're really into this. But where DC's head is right now is that they're they're in a different direction. They are trying to reach a completely different audience. And while there's the occasional thing like a Batman 89 or a Superman 78 or even a Batman Scooby Doo that plays to a certain you know audience or maybe they'll do what they're doing with the 30th anniversary of Superman the Death of Superman where they're doing a little bit of that but they they have really shied away from doing a lot of the the nostalgia stuff. It's all very, very focused on on younger readers, new markets, trying to diversify the line, not necessarily in terms of characters, but the style of storytelling. And I can't blame them for that. You know, I mean a lot of people are deeply resentful, but I look at it and say well look, you know, over 80 years You know, there's still plenty of comic books that I've never read and will never get a chance to read. So it's not like I'm running out of reading material. If it's not coming out every month, it doesn't bother me because something I might read from nineteen, you know, sixty-three is new to me, you know. And and that to me is sufficient. I understand from a business perspective why they've done what they've done. But then again, this is a company that's got brand new management. So who knows what direction they'll go in ultimately. Nevertheless, I, I would be startled if they did anything for superman 55
0: same here i i I don't disagree with any of that i would just be happy if the adventures of superman series were made available more widely via streaming on hbo max or whatever the new service ends up becoming or if there were a new round of, of dvds put out something like that would be great now One more thing that uh, I want to make sure that I share with everyone. Now, folks, if you've been following along on social media, you already know. But if not, let me break the news and share with you now. Very exciting. I am launching a George Reeves Adventures of Superman rewatch podcast. It's called Another Exciting Episode in the Adventures of Superman. It starts next week on Monday, September 19th, which is the 70-year anniversary of the airing of Superman on Earth. And it will drop every other week. So it'll be every other Monday. We'll put out a new episode. And we'll go through Adventures of Superman episode by episode, breaking it down, talking about each episode in the context of the Adventures of Superman series, and also within the larger Superman mythology. I've already recorded the first two. They're locked and loaded and ready to go. I'm having a great time for as much talking about Superman as I do on this show. But there's still more to say. And it's a different podcasting muscle to flex on this And it's been a blast. So, it is its own separate podcast feed. So, this is the important part. If you want to make sure that you follow along with another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, make sure you head on over to your podcast platform of choice, find the show, subscribe. There's a trailer out now. You can listen to that for a couple of minutes. And then make sure you tune in on Monday, the 19th, for our first episode. I am very excited to get into this. And alas again as the show is not as available as i would like we're taking that into account so as we're talking about these episodes we're really taking you through them so if you have the dvds or you own them digitally you have a way to watch them awesome if you want to watch along with us but even if you don't we are really going through them in detail and so it's it's not a replacement for watching the show, but it's another way to experience the episodes, especially if you don't have the ability to do it. So I'm really proud of what we've been putting together so far. Zach from the Always Hold On To Smallville podcast is my guest for the first episode. Uh, Tyler from the Krypton Report podcast is my guest for episode two. Dan, we got you on tap for an episode coming up pretty soon as well, which I'm looking
1: forward to. Oh, can't wait myself. Uh, so yeah. that's... I, I. No, I, I... I, I I've I when I grew up, um, this show was just kind of like wallpaper, you know. It was on. I I I grew up in New in New Jersey in the '70s, and you know it was all New York TV station. So you know I was well aware of the show, but I never really gave it much notice. But over the last few years, I've gone on a watch, and it's wonderful. It really is wonderful. It's it's it 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 hit. It's it's not the same Superman. That you see in the comic books, although it very much is at the same time, and I really, really like it. So when you when you offered me the opportunity to sort of talk in broad strokes about it, with you know, in the context of this, I was I was very eager to do it. Such a great show.
0: It really is, and, and so I'm happy to to be creating this this place now where we can have conversations about it, and and hopefully. You know, reignite some interest in it, maybe for folks who hadn't fully delved into it before. This is an opportunity to, and and for people who who are very familiar with it, who grew up watching it, and maybe, you know, have have been looking for an opportunity to hear discussions or even be part of conversations about it. Uh, with that's coming, so I'm very excited. Another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman starts next week. Now, going back to Superman and the Secret Planet, we'll we'll go through the whole the, the story and the major beats and what stood out to us. But before mm-hmm. our commercial break here. The art, how I mean, I, I can't I can't say enough good about what what Randy Garrett was able to do here. I mean, what were your impressions of, of how he was able to bring these characters to life?
1: It, it, it was um, jaw dropping in some respects. His his George Reeves, uh, whether he's um, uh, Clark Kent or Superman, is on the money. He's got the body language down. He's got the the tone down. He's got the you know the the, ca- the actors look like the actors. Uh, in fact, it's full of character actors who were on the show and you, you, you recognize them as you're reading, you know, there's, there's, there's like a, a you know, a ton of them and, you know, names who are, you know, a lot of them are quote unquote, that guy actors that you saw a million times through the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, like for example, Tris Coffin is the, is the guy who plays the main villain? He actually was in the first episode of Superman. Uh, Joy Lansing, blonde bombshell, is is uh, has a has a uh, has a guest appearance in this uh, series. Um, there are others too, uh, including uh, one of my favorites, who is um, let me see, Hold on, let me, his name is. I always remember the character, but I don't remember his name. Oh, Leonard Moody who played uh, um, a number of characters on the show. Uh, Herb Vigran, who I'm sure you've seen before, he, he, he pops up and um, it, it, his, it, so it's not only just his ability to do the main characters, but to add all of these Easter eggs of, of, of characters who probably would have been in the movie and quite probably in these roles. I thought it was a uniquely clever take on it as opposed to just doing uh, um, random faces.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this was, I, I really put this in the same league as what, you know, Wilfredo Torres did on, on Superman 78, yeah. where, you know, you're, you're looking at those pages and it just, it looks like the characters and hand in hand yeah. with that, the, the dialogue just captures the voices of the yes. characters and the actors. So that it really works hand in hand, but yeah, just from a visual standpoint, you, you really just feel like you're in that world. It is, it's very immersive and it, yeah. it, it works yeah. fabulously.
1: And the story formula is very much like an episode of the show. It's just longer and more expansive because of a presumed larger uh, budget. So they do things that they never really, I mean, there are only a few times, I mean, in a, in a way, what it reminded me most of was the episode Panic in the Sky. Yes. Because it had that scope of you know, Superman going into space and you know, mostly he was fighting you know gangsters you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. He didn't really fight supervillains all that much. Um, but here was an opportunity for them really to play with the Superman um, powers and abilities. He doesn't really do like heat vision or any of the other stuff that he ever, you know, he never did that on the TV show either. But the sets, the set designs or what presumably what the set designs might've looked like. Uh, and also just the sheer nature of the story which, like I said, it it, it reads like a a very rudimentary version of Superman 2. Absolutely.
0: All right, let's take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll break down Superman and the Secret Planet. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full-service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina, for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available they pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back issue selection. Mail order subscriptions to new releases are available and all offerings are available to anyone anywhere via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay. Listen to the Acme cast on all podcast services and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey city Hang On To Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In The Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts Available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State. And be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. All Yeah! Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join All Yeah! for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit allyeahcomics.com and follow All Yeah! on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh yeah. Before we get back to my conversation with Dan, I just want to share a few audio clips from past guest Rich Roney, who is one of the biggest Adventures of Superman fans I know. Uh, he and I spoke about Superman and the Secret Planet a little bit, and I recorded a few clips from him uh, to sprinkle into the episode here now. Uh, so first up, Rich talks about his overall impressions of Superman and the Secret
2: Planet. This was so immersive, and it seemed to be such a labor of love. And I thought it was so true in tone, in artwork, in character depiction, in structure. It was so true to the TV series. What I loved about this story was they tapped into all the characters throughout the whole run of the TV series. I mean, towards the end of this story, there's a very hostile um, army general. And to me, I, that immediately struck me as Jeff Corey from uh, Superman and the Mole Men, and I thought, "Wow, what a cool rendition!" Right, because he was the very intolerant, hostile townsperson, and then you, it, to me, it was the same artistic rendition of that that uh, that facial structure and uh, design that was presented as this hostile uh, army general.
0: Rich also shared his take on what was going on with another show around the same time that might help account for why there was this push and this desire to make Superman and the Secret Planet in the first place. Here's what he had to say.
2: I think there was a companion piece and a competitor to The Adventures of Superman, Uh, The Adventures of the Lone Ranger that ran from 1949 to 57. There was a Lone Ranger feature film in 1956 Then they had the final 39 episodes, the final season. Then they had another feature film, The Lone Ranger. Same audience, young children, a very wholesome hero, half-hour TV show, and the feature film took off like a rocket. I think that triggered the request for the script, and I hate to say it, I think they chose not to film it, perhaps because of the cost, you know, building the secret planet, building the sets for that. So I think the script was good, but I think they might've looked at the costs and figured, you know what, let's just go back and do another uh, another uh, season. When I was a child in Chicago, you know, The Adventures of Superman was in syndication. You were at the mercy of what the local um, uh, manager at the station chose to, to uh, display. Uh, I think if there were a feature film, it would have been released nationally and I think it would have embedded more stuff more definitively into the lore and the mythos.
0: So my thanks to Rich for sharing his thoughts. Hope everyone enjoyed hearing from our good friend, Rich Roney. And now back to my conversation with Dan. All right, so Superman and the Secret Planet brought to life by this, this fan-made comic over 42 pages, including an added epilogue that the, that the comic creators came up with. But in this story, we have this attempted global takeover of Earth by Kryptonia, this planetoid uh, comprised of these Kryptonian scientists who survived the destruction of Krypton by creating these underground bunkers. and so they're floating around in space on this huge planetoid that's covered with kryptonite and underneath there they are in their in their atmosphere that's that's made to resemble Krypton. So later in the story when Superman finds himself inside he is powerless and of course outside there's kryptonite. so threats threats abound. What stood out to you the most about the story? What did you feel you know worked the best? Were there things that you felt might have been missed opportunities? Like just overall impressions of the story? How well did, did you think it, it it worked?
1: I thought it worked very very well, and I and, and again when I was done with it, it wasn't a case where I went oh that was fun. I was like I went I, when I was done with it. I said I would love to have seen this filmed. I think this would have been a lot of fun, especially with the, with the sensibilities of the late fifties. I think it would have been a real kick. But basically, it's it's not just You know, surprise, there were members of Krypton who existed, but for, you know, the the main one, he's up to no good, you know, and he wants to use this as an opportunity to take over Earth. And he is the one who has figured out that if we get to Earth, we're going to have superpowers, too. And, you know, there's more of us than there are of him, so we should be able to take him and then take over the planet. So instead of it being the Phantom Zone, it's what they call Kryptonia which is this floating rock in space, which is, you know, basically, like you said, scientific bunkers. Um, there's also sorts of hokey, you know, unbelievable sci-fi that goes with it with a gigantic magnet that they use to push and pull things. But the, the 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 what kind of brings us into the story is that the president of the United States, who is drawn as Dwight Eisenhower in the story, which, of course, he would not have been in the movie, I presume, um, but he's he's kidnapped or presumably kidnapped because Air Force One uh, is uh, is sucked into space, and what it is is that he's sucked into space by the Kryptonians. And as we learn, the Kryptonians aren't all bad; there are good ones there uh, who are against what's happening. But basically, Superman has to go and because he's the only one, he's got to go and and uh, and and get the uh, get the president back. So it, it, you know, it opens up in a classic, you know, we're at the Daily Planet and or actually Clark Kent gets home and he's just gotten home from work and he's trying to take a rest. And then the next thing you know, he's called back to the office. And of course, while he, you know, the inevitable sequence where he's Clark trying to figure out how to get away from everybody to be Superman, to do what he does, but he's frustrated by it. It's got all of those tropes. That the the TV show played with so well, only the added element of of a substantial uh, increase in the the level of scope and the the science, science fiction nature of it as opposed to Superman breaking up some racketeers.
0: I think that's the thing about it that works so well is that you do have all of those traditional familiar setups and dynamics with the the core Daily Planet cast. So you feel right at home. Yeah. But like you said, there is this whole other dimension to it as opposed to, yeah. you know, not to knock Superman and the moment, for example, but you know, right. that's a story. Yes, you're following Clark and Lois and they're on a story and you get the Superman action, but you don't get the rest of that, you know, the Metropolis and Daily Planet setting that, you know, is such a yeah. hallmark of of the show. So here right. you really get everything, which which is great. And- I too, the you know you mentioned the fact that not all of these Kryptonians are going along with the ringleader Zonar. It's it's really Zonar and his head scientists who are, who are you know really uh, leading the charge here.
1: And which, thinking, which by the way the, the, as drawn in the in the story Zonar is the same actor who played Jor El's foil in Superman on Earth in the in the in the premiere episode. And his name was not Zonar, but it has the five same letters just mixed around. It was like Rozon or something like that. Yes. So I don't know what that was all about, but it's basically the same character. Yes. And I think that there are other characters who are on the Kryptonian Council who are, it's hard to tell sometimes, who are drawn into this group. So you get the sense that the ones who were telling Jor-El to not try to evacuate went and try, went and evacuated themselves because they wanted to use this as an opportunity to take over the universe which is also reminiscent of uh, Superman the Animated Series and, and Brainiac's uh, uh, motivations as opposed to, you know, what we've, what we've traditionally seen.
0: A- absolutely. And that's, so I, again, I love the fact that not all of the Kryptonians go along with this. I thought that was, it would have been very easy to make this just a bunch of, you know, Kryptonians who aspired for world domination. But the fact that you had this group, and in fact, the majority of them who were really, you know backed into this by their by their leader and when they had the opportunity to free superman and then to save the president right they take him on the plane and, and superman flies them out uh, right. I, I just thought that was such a nice touch and was a level of of nuance that i wouldn't have necessarily i don't know wouldn't have necessarily expected especially if, you know from 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 this in the 50s i just feel like it would have been so much easier to 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 not so i appreciated the effort to you know, to show that that not all of the Kryptonians um, had the same agenda. And you also see, because we find out that th- th- those on Kryptonia, they've been able to view events, right, through their viewfinder. So they've seen <laughs> what's been going yeah. on on Earth and they see Superman. I think they call
1: called the, the Infinity Vi- Viewer or something like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, and they, t- you know, the good ones, they talk about how they have seen the example of Superman and that that has been an right. inspiration. So I thought, like, that was really, a really, really nice touch. And I, I appreciate that being included.
1: And and the main, um, the main, I don't know if rebel is the right word, uh, is, uh, is the actor who I mentioned before, who was uh, uh, Leonard Moody, M-U-D-I-E, who played a number of characters on the show, including one of the best characters written on the show. It's uh, from an episode that is, is not at all acceptable by today's standards. But if you've ever seen Drums of Death, he plays Dr. Leland Masters, one of the uh, archaeologists. And he steals every scene that he's in, in that episode. And so when I saw that he was the one who was being given the role of, um, you know, sort of being the good Kryptonian who lies himself with Superman, I thought was great because he's, he's a really fun character actor.
0: Yes. I also, it was so funny to me, so interesting, so interesting to me that we, we get a little flashback to Krypton and mm. these scientists going to Jor-El jor who, as we know, and uh, having just rewatched Superman on Earth, I've, I saw it very recently. The you know the traditional quintessential plea to the council that we got to get off this planet, we're doomed, and they laugh him off. But we find out in this flashback, a few of them went to Jorel and they're like, "Hey, we believe you. Yeah. We have an idea. Instead of rockets to go above, we want to go into these bunkers below." And Jorel el <laughs> like, what's a nothing to do with that? It's so ironic.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny because they end up surviving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, and of course, Calel survives, right? So his Jorel's idea was a good one, but it's one of those things. Like clearly, Jorel did not have the time to to build the fleet that would be needed, right? Yet this was a viable alternative that he was so quick to dismiss. Right. It was so. It was but a very is, interesting it's, twist it's, to it. I oh man, I love. I thought that was great.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's it's, and I, what I like is the is. Uh, you know, just not only just the the, the the distinction there, but again, it's it's you know how the evil ones are thinking. Okay, this is an opportunity for conquest. Where his was a you know, this is about survival, which is a which is a you know, totally you know, complete one hundred and eighty in terms of the point of view. But that's what also is what informs the story. Right. One thing worth mentioning also, because you're talking about that whole scene. In addition to this comic there is actually on youtube a trailer that they did same guys did it also where they took a bunch of clips from tv shows and different movies and basically constructed what a trailer for this movie might be like and they cast david hedison who you may know as a a character actor very active in the 50s 60s and 70s um best known i think probably for playing felix Leiter twice in the james bond movies um and also for um for being in a voyage to the bottom of the sea where i think he played the first officer so he's he's a, he's very familiar if you don't know the name you'll know the face but uh he's in the he's in the trailer but anyway back to what we were talking about as far as the 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 diff- the distinction between Jorel and zoran i guess zoran Z- zoran zonar. Zonar. zonar yeah zonar okay, uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Where Jor El, in a sense, was right, but then he was wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love that little twist. Now, there's a lot of I don't want to say back and forth, but multiple rescue attempts made by yeah. by Superman slash Clark. Right, so like you said, the president has disappeared. Presidents vanish, right? That's the initial news report. Clark goes to the Daily Planet. He gets this call from the feds who know that Clark can get in touch with Superman and he gets some more information that the the Air Force One disappeared, right? The president's plane is gone. It just flew up and and disappeared. So Perry sends the crew uh, on a train to D.C. to get more information. Of course, Clark is like, I'm going to go sleep in my cabin. Don't disturb me. I cannot be bothered. (laughs) Do not
1: wake me until the morning.
0: (laughs) and you know instantly changes to superman and flies up into space to track the where where the plane went and he comes across this planetoid and is instantly felled by the kryptonite and he's immobilized right. he's on this asteroid and he can't move and you know cut inside to uh to to zonar and they activate their you know uh, I forget what they call it the anti uh their anti- electromagnetic
1: whatever the yeah.
0: <clears throat> Yeah, that's the thing that we find out, that there's this huge electromagnet inside, and they're using the, the magnetism to you know pull the plane in and eventually to pull the planetoid to Earth. But anyway, they're able to repel Superman uh, from, from the surface of this, and, and he returns, and he realizes he needs a different approach. So as Clark, he proposes this idea that he'll fly up in a plane and likely be taken in, but at least then be able to hopefully get a message out. Clark
1: is going to fly the plane. Right. Well, that was one of the great things about the show to begin with is that Clark is not a pushover. No. You know, on the, I mean, he's, he occasionally plays the mild-mannered dude or the, the aw shucks a little bit, but he's not Christopher Reeve's version of, you know, of uh, Clark Kent. And I think it, it, it's in the same way, I don't know how much you've watched the Wonder Woman TV show, you know, the Linda Carter TV show, but it shares a very similar formula. To what they did with Superman, because Superman generally will have two appearances. He'll be early in the episode or early-ish, so that there's a little bit of action. But his main part of the scene, the episode is usually at the end. You know, the last 10 minutes, the final act is where, where you get it. But in between, the writers had to make the characters interesting as civilians. And in doing so, I think from a from a movie standpoint, it's easier to make Clark this bumbling kind of foolish guy. But if you make him that way in a TV series, I think it would get old pretty fast. So they make him this really capable, very, very determined reporter. And I really like that version of Clark. And so this idea that I will sacrifice myself potentially for the good of the nation, and I'm going to do this alone and all this kind of stuff is all very Superman stuff. But the but at the same time it's not completely out of character for the for the uh, Clark Kent that we've seen uh, on the TV show, who, which I think they also established can fly planes. Yes, he was a pilot.
0: Yeah, we did did see that on the show as well. And no, I agree with you a thousand percent. And I think you look at Adventures of Superman and then you look at Lois and Clark, the new Adventures of Superman. And, you know, in in both instances, I mean, it is a very capable Clark. And yes, in in the latter case, we are dealing with the post-crisis burn version. So we had had a shift in the comics anyway. But still, I think you're right. If you're going to be dealing with these characters on a weekly episodic basis, you you know, you can't rely too much on Superman. I think probably from a a budget and technology and story standpoint, Right. right? Like if you're ultimately creating a daily planet show, which these are, I mean, essentially, right. uh, you know, you have to have a more a more capable Clark. And then you definitely see that here. Of course, Lois and Jimmy uh, stow away on the plane that Clark is flying and Clark pretends to fall out and perish mm-hmm. uh, so that he can <laughs> now enter a, a Superman and they're, they're all taken. And it is this great moment where, you know, this is now the first time Superman's inside this planetoid and, and realizes very quickly he doesn't have his powers here. Right. right, he's inside. It's break. He gets, his, gets into a fight and
1: he gets his ass kicked.
0: Yeah, and Lois, Lois gives him a hard time about it. She's like, "Superman, you weren't even trying. It's like this guy was throwing punches. He got. I mean, what do you want?
1: <laughs>
0: that was hard. Yeah, and man. of course,
1: Lois. I, I just also like the the classic. He's going to go alone, and of course, you know, Lois and Jimmy stow away. I mean, if that isn't <laughs> if that isn't classic, Lois and Jimmy, you know, it's you know, why is the plane shaking apart? And it's like, what are you doing here? And then, of course, he has to fake his own death. Yeah, but yeah, it's true. It's Lois's, but Lois gave Lois gave. uh, Well, she didn't usually give Superman a hard time, but she did give Clark an awful hard time on this show.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you know, and Zonar is giving his ultimatum to to the to the world leaders, and everyone's considering, and they really have no choice but to capitulate. Right. Right. And Kryptonium makes it to Earth. He he frees Lois and Jimmy to deliver this news, and they go back to the planet. And uh, Superman is eventually freed by you know again one of the one of the the, the good uh, the good Kryptonians, and comes up with this idea right to have this uh, protective suit made right. It's this combination of he goes to this plastics factory, and it's a combination of lead and plastic. And so he has a suit that will now allow him to survive the effects of the kryptonite on the outer part of the asteroid to get inside, which is
1: great. And it's also, um, and I don't know if this was specified in the, in the script, but it's translucent. So you could still see him through it in his outfit. It's not like it's an astronaut suit and he's unrecognizable. It's basically he's still Superman just in a, you know, see-through plastic suit, which, of course, is very 1950s. But, uh, but yeah, I appreciated it. And I like the fact that, you know, they, again, took it, took it a, 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 an extra couple of steps than they might have. Uh, on the tv show yes
0: and you know it it calls to mind the lead suit from superman the animated series that he would wear to protect exactly what it
1: reminded me of
0: which i never really liked and especially having i recently went back and i you know i I rewatched almost the entire series and i get it i get the i mean i i understand but i don't know it just makes it it's like too i don't know too easy at a certain point if you could just wear the suit but it's all right
1: Right, but then again, I would have loved to have seen the Supermobile show up in this movie too. So,
0: ah, uh, yeah, that's right. The
1: Supermobile would have worked out well. Supermobile.
0: So, funny enough, just as a very quick side note, a week ago, I put out an episode on the Justice League Power Rangers miniseries because I'm I've also now launched a Power Rangers podcast. People are like, "What is it with this guy? All these podcasts." I, I I like podcasting. What can I tell you? Uh, But in that episode, uh, we talked about the new McFarlane toys reissue of the Mm -hmm. superpowers figures. And in that episode, I talked about how I had not at that point procured the supermobile, but I'm happy to update everyone because I know everyone's probably waiting. Oh, is he going to get it? Is he going to get it? (laughs) I'm looking at it now. It's up there on my shelf. I was able to, you know, it's a Walmart exclusive. You can only get it there. Yeah. And it finally was, I don't have one near me, but I was finally able to order it online. So I'm looking at it now. I had never owned the original one, but I have the Super, Supermobile now proudly on my- It's on my great, bedroom.
1: isn't it? Yeah. Have you opened the box? Have you actually pulled it out? Uh,
0: yes. I ha- You know, so I also have the main figures. i got the Superman, Batman, Darkseid. And those remain in in their case because, of course, you can see the figures. But with the Supermobile, there's if there were a clear yeah. display, I probably would have left it. But I was like, I got to see this thing, so
1: I took it out. It's great, <laughs> it's great, and the, and the arms work really, really well. It's a very it's it's a toy, and that, it's it's that's the thing. It's not just a collectible; it's a toy. We digress, of course, but I did it did cross my mind when I was watching this. I'm like, man, Supermobile would have been great here. Yeah.
0: Now, we still have to, we'll get to the big climax of Superman showing up in the lead suit and everything that unfolds there. But here's the thing. I don't, I don't disagree with you. You definitely see how this is far beyond the scope and scale and budget of the regular episodes, of course. At the same time, and I think this is a credit to the screenplay, it, and this was, you know, you and I said the same thing when we talked about Superman 78, where you read that miniseries and it felt like something that could have been filmed by Donner in the 70s or, or 80s, right? For the most part. Definitely. And that was one of the things that I think worked for that for us with that miniseries was that it felt like, okay, this wasn't so far beyond what we could have seen on screen. Right. And I think here, for the most part, and I think the, the key to this for me is, like you said, it is reminiscent of Panic in the Sky when Superman has to stop this asteroid. And, you know, in yeah. that episode, you know, look, the the effects are a little rough, but you see him flying in space. You see him going later in the episode, you see him land on the asteroid. And, you know, it's clearly just a rocky area of California, but you know, it's, it's, it works well enough. And so I felt like there was somewhat of a, of a template, something that you can look to in the show to have kind of an idea of like, okay, I, I could envision, I could envision something like this. And also the fact that he's powerless you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the action here takes place in the bunker where he's powerless. So it, we, we avoid for the most part, having to have an actual super powered battle here. Right. So it definitely felt again, bigger and you're right. I mean, more sets. I mean, this would have been, uh, you know, beyond what the show was typically doing, but, but in a reasonable sense, like I could have seen this, especially if they had the time and they had the budget, you know, you could have seen something like this brought to life. So I, it still felt in That's the thing. It still felt in keeping with the show, which I appreciated.
1: Well, it, I mean, having a writer from the show doing it was, you know, I think the, the, the key part of that. Um, you know, I've had some conversations with folks. And again, as I always bring it back to Batman, if you look, uh, the, the best uh, comparison I can make is the 1966 Batman theatrical movie versus the TV show, which, it is, you know, some people say, oh, I, I find them so different. The tone so different. I'm like, no, the tone is exactly the same. It, it looks, it feels like an extended version of an episode, but with all this extra stuff that you just wouldn't get, you get a bat copter and a bat boat and a bat cycle, and you get a, um, you know, the, the penguin sub and you get, you know, all sorts of cool stuff that, you know, that, that you just didn't get on the show. And that, but it still feels like it's very much part of that world. And I think that that's what made me appreciate this story so well, so much is the fact that it, def, it, it, it wasn't like someone trying to make it like that. It really, this was what the show was like. And making and, and, and going back to where we were in the story, it was also a very smart move that you can keep Superman on screen for a longer period of time, but he doesn't have his powers. So it's an inherent conflict. It's inherent, you know, it, there's, it's, there's added tension. So it's good from a storytelling standpoint, but it also gives you plenty of Superman. It's not like the TV show where if you're counting 25 minutes on screen total, it's probably 20 minutes Clark and five minutes Superman or maybe a little bit more. It's more balanced here because you at least get to see him in space without power. So he's he has to you know, he can't just simply rely on his abilities. He has to rely on his wits.
0: Absolutely and and so you do have that dilemma that, that you know that that conflict that tension i do wish from a from an emotional or personal standpoint that there would have been more of an opportunity to mine what he must have been feeling over the yeah. fact that people from the world that he thought was totally destroyed were actually still alive and had these malicious designs towards his adoptive world you don't there's just like not real estate for that here. And, and, and again, you look at the show and the show wasn't built for that either. So I get it. But again, with 2022 20, eyes looking at it, like that's one of the things I would have loved to have seen
1: something there. Yeah, you, you would have thought that especially the the quote unquote good Kryptonian ringleader, uh, you would have thought that at one point Superman would have asked, what was my father and my, and my mother like? You know, what were they like? You know, can you tell me a little bit about them? And that's the kind of thing that you would see, and sort of actually did see in the Superman seventy eight comic, which is a much more emotional um, uh, journey, uh, for lack of a better term. But that is also the difference between storytelling now and storytelling sixty some odd years ago, particularly when it came to adventure stuff. Nobody thought of Superman as having an emotional uh, in, in. You know, he had he had issues that he had to resolve, and he had you know, a, a conflict in his life, but he wasn't what you would call an introspective guy. You know, you you never got the sense of him being the, they, they never played up the the lonely aspect of what it means to be Superman, being the only one of your kind. You know, that the, the Superman of the TV show is very, very comfortable in his own skin. Yes.
0: And look, and I've said this before, I, I like the different flavors of Superman we've gotten over the years. And yes, in recent years, looking at Clark's journey on Smallville, looking at the Henry Cavill version of the character, like these were versions who had a lot that they were wrestling with. And I I identified, you know, that resonated with me, but I also really love the uncomplicated George Reeves Superman, who's mm-hmm. Superman and this is what he does. So, you know, I think for the most part, it's not something that I was typically longing for, but just here, I guess, it just felt like such a missed opportunity because it's like, wow, you're actually introducing this element that's been, yeah. with the exception of kryptonite, you know, it has been totally absent from the series. And it's like, right. now we ha- we have this to play with, and it's really not, with one little exception. I'm jumping ahead here, but when the good Kryptonians decide to leave because they realize that Earth will never trust them the way right. they trust Superman, who grew up there and is now one of them, and they decide to leave and follow Superman's example, but elsewhere, there's one panel. It's literally one panel where, and then the caption says that Superman has a brief moment of contemplation as they leave. And so- <laughs> At le- but you know what, like that at least is something and I would have wanted more yeah. of that, but like, I appreciated that there's at least this moment of like, oh, I could have and you know, I guess in your head headcanon, right, you can fill in the rest of, of what he would have been sure. thinking there. Uh, so that went a long way for me. I, I think if yeah, if there were any missed opportunities in this whole thing, I think that's it that we were getting into territory. The show didn't uh, in terms of, of Krypton and Kryptonians, uh, but it just felt like from an emotional standpoint, there was just nothing really there.
1: It's interesting, too, because in the comics, they actually were going down that road. People often forget that, like, in the the more Weisinger years, there were a lot of times where Superman's Kryptonian heritage was a huge part of that version of the character. And often that idea of being the last, you know, the last Kryptonian or the last son of Krypton anyway, once once they started introducing other survivors. But it was... um, you know, they, 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 you know, they did have episodes where he met his parents and they were emotionally driven stories. And even if they were a little um, ham fisted, given the storytelling styles of the day, they did touch on those areas. Um, But yeah, it's nothing that the TV show ever, you know, I mean, the TV show really does exist in its own universe. You get, you get Krypton in the first, you know, in the first uh, 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 episode, but it's very much Superman on Earth. And you know the kryptonite is introduced on the show, but it's used very, very sparingly. And it's actually a, a rare case where um, there's actually something of a continuity where in one episode he, dis- he disposes of some kryptonite and the next time it pops up, it actually makes references to how he disposed it last time. So how we, they were able to retrieve it and stuff like that. But here um, you're right for the, for the scope of the storytelling, it's still very much in that kind of sci-fi storytelling, square-jawed, unemotional um, um, style that you did see in the late 50s and early 60s before things started to get more complex in terms of, you know, film storytelling, which really you know, you're talking the late 60s. Totally. Uh,
0: so, you know, now we get to our, our climax here where Superman returns in this lead, in this see-through lead suit, right? And he's able to make his way in and and fighting ensues. And, and he, there's, there's a hole now that is allowing Earth's, you know, sunlight and atmosphere to come in. So now the Kryptonians are starting to develop powers. Uh, Superman and the good Kryptonians are able to get the president uh, out onto this plane and Superman flies them out. Uh, but Zonar, you know, this guy's not messing around and I, I don't think we mentioned this mm. before, but he is merciless throughout he's destroying trains and bridges and oh yeah you know, you know over the protestations oh, yeah. he's, of the he's other
1: general people. zod
0: yeah you know they're like well you know earth is surrendering like we don't have to, we don't have to do this we're going to land soon we're going to get out we're going to have powers and he's like no like, i have to send this message yeah um and so his the coup de grace is this atomic explosion that he initiates and this is probably you know this was the one thing where i was like oh how would they have done this <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. again i can imagine the asteroid because we had seen that but this yeah. was like all right
1: well the, I'm, I'm i imagine they would have used stock footage of you know atomic weapons testing because that did exist by this time obviously and then they probably would have somehow superimposed superman over it and then reversed the footage i'm guessing there would have been a version of that but i don't know yeah. you know who, who knows and who knows what kind of budget they would have gotten to do this yeah,
0: no, but I, I think that I think that makes sense. But he's able to create this, you know, fly around it and create this vacuum that is able to counter effect counter counteract uh, the effects of this atomic explosion. Though it leaves him irradiated with right. this atomic radiation. But conveniently, uh, there's going to be a kryptonite blast as the planetoid explodes because Zonar's pushing it pushing it too hard, juicing it with too much power. And it explodes and there's all this kryptonite radiation. But thankfully, the atomic radiation, and the kryptonite radiation counteract each other. So Superman's good right. to go. And then we get that scene that we were talking about a second ago where, you know, the the United States military, they're, you know, they're ready to, to fire on the Kryptonians. And, you know, the president and Superman, they're able to talk everyone down. But it does lead to this very, again, I appreciate it. It's like a very bitter, unexpectedly bittersweet moment of them leaving.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: See, I, I figured that they would go because you, that, that is something that, you know, you had to preserve Superman as the only one of his kind in his world. You could not introduce a – and they've, they've done this in the comics too periodically when they have like Kandor or what have you. And they, they let Kandor grow on its own. And then they, what would happen if there were other Kryptonians on Earth? And of course, it never goes well. Um, but I think that that was just simply, again, in those days – you had, if you were going to start the story at the end of the story, you had to fit the status quo of the beginning of the story. And so I think that that was something that that I, I wasn't entirely surprised by. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, yeah, I thought it was effective storytelling. And, and you know, one, just taking one step backward, it also did remind me the, the whole sequence that you described of the explosions and the radiation and the atomic bomb, and then you've got the you know blowing up the Kryptonia and all of that, reminded me very much of the climax of Superman the movie, where it's really a chance for Superman to cut loose and do big, big, big set pieces, which again, they always had, you know with the exception of episodes like Panic in the Sky, they generally had to keep it contained to their budget. Here, they had an opportunity to show you Superman really super. And I and I and, and I appreciate not only that in the in the story, but I also appreciate the way the comic book conveys that it, it, it's it. it The pacing of the comic in and of itself works very, very well as a comic. So I don't want to just look at it as something that just simply translates the, the script. The comic in and of itself is very well done. It's very well executed.
0: Well said. I, I agree with all of that. I was also thinking, I don't know if you've, if you're current, so I won't spoil it, but the end of Superman and Lois season two, it, it also kind of called that to mind a little bit. I don't know if you've been watching.
1: You know, I haven't been in such a long time, that I, yeah.
0: Oh, you mean the new show? The new show. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, I haven't been watching.
0: Oh, Sorry. I recommend. No, it's okay.
1: But I really recommend I, I, yeah. it. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 you know what? I'm so far behind on so much of my TV watching. My wife and I were talking the other days of whether it was time for us to begin Better Call Saul. So you know that just goes to show you how far behind we are on
0: certain um, certain programs. My wife and I are still talking about when we're going to find the time to watch, and don't don't hate me, Breaking Bad. So,
1: oh wow, okay. Yeah. So then I don't feel so bad.
0: No, it's okay. <laughs> we watch a lot. We, you know we have watched we've watched That's a, a great lot. Show. Yeah, oh, it's great. Uh, yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll get there. But anyway. You know what? I, no, I but I, I agree with you about you know needing to sort of re, I guess return to the status quo. What I guess what was unexpected to me was that they lived and left. I would have like reading the story. I didn't I didn't think that this is going to end with Superman and the good Kryptonians flying around Earth and right. palling around. Like I wasn't expecting that. But I thought they would they would have to sacrifice themselves or Zonar would take them out or something like that. So, which you know would have been. Sad in in its own right and bittersweet in its own right, but I I really liked I really like this angle here and you know clearly mm-hmm. you know this movie was never made and no, nothing else ever followed it, but if it did I don't know like this would have been out there I don't know maybe something could have been explored I doubt it would have been but like it would have been some new element that was was added and was out there so sure. uh, I thought it was a great choice and then we get to our, our epilogue our added epilogue you know we we have the the regular the rest of the screenplay right where they're all back at the Daily Planet and. There's a note, uh, you know, on the website that says, like, you know, the the second panel of this page is where the screenplay ended, but we felt like we wanted to add a little bit more. So then we get into this extended epilogue where there's going to be this big parade. Before you do
1: that, the the one thing that's worth noting is that where the script does end is really classic Adventures of Superman. I mean, you know, they didn't have him winking at the reader, but they would have probably in the movie. But yeah, it kind of just ends on a gentle joke or a gentle little comment and, you know, fade out. And that's how so many episodes ended. So I agree with their decision to, to expand upon that and say, well, you know, actually it needs, it needs a better peppier ending. And uh, I think for the most part it works. So. I, I,
0: I agree with you. Uh, It's like I said, it's a, it's a great wrap up for this story, but also a really nice coda to the series. And uh, you know, so there's this big parade and uh, the Daily Planet staff and Superman are all going to be uh, awarded here and celebrated. And so, of course, this creates a problem because Clark can't be both Clark and Superman at the same time. So it seems he'll work it out as we'll, as we see. But, you know, this this creates a bit of a dilemma for him. What, what I liked here, and this goes back to what we were saying before, Uh, a lot of familiar faces at the, at the parade. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout the story there there's, you know, we see Sergeant O'Hara in the story who you know, had been in the the, the Mrs. Superman episode when she had to pose as Superman's wife. Yeah. That was Joy,
1: Joy Lansing. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, so that was terrific. Uh, Miss Bacharach gets mentioned at least, the the long suffering uh, secretary, aka uh, administrative assistant uh, at the Daily Planet. Of course, we see Henderson, um, the scientist from Panic in the Sky. We see him earlier yeah. on, right as he's looking up, and then in the in the in the parade here, you see Pepperwinkle, you see Professor Lucerne. So you mm-hmm. like you see so many of these faces throughout the story, and also in this epilogue, and it's a, it's just. It's like all the all the pieces of the show coming together. Uh, It'd be beautiful. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it really it really is. It plays like that, and and it's great. Uh, This leads to one of my fate. Like I think this is just such a terrific payoff to to the long running bit in the series of Lois trying to figure out or trying to prove that Clark is Superman, and ultimately Superman or Clark is he excuses himself and then Superman shows up, right? And Lois is convinced. He's like, well, that proves it. Like, they're not both here. Clark left. Superman shows up. What did you think of Lois's reaction? What did you think of what Lois does in that immediate aftermath?
1: Where she tries um, to
0: cover for Clark.
1: Oh, well, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And it was like on a dime. Like, the idea being that, like... And, it, and you know what? I imagine that that's probably what would have happened. You know, once she got the information rather than expose it, she probably would have done exactly that where she all of a sudden like has an epiphany. It's like, well, wait a minute, we have to protect him. He's Superman. You know, we can't, we can't, we have to keep this secret. And it's, and it's such a funny, unexpected way. I mean, you know, in a roundabout way, it's, it's sort of what ended up happening in the post burn years when they decided to, you know, have her find out who he is and they got married and that became part of it where, she does have to protect his secret identity. The great irony of that, but the way they did it here was, I just I just love that idea that that knowing Lois, the, the, you know, knowing who she is and knowing who Jimmy is, that if they did find out, they would be oh my god, we found out, ha ha ha, we proved it, and then they'd be, they'd be like, oh well, we better protect him. He's Superman. We 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 can't tell the world about this. And I like that. I thought that that was very sweet. Yeah,
0: it was that to me was pitch perfect. Like that just felt. Yeah so true and was just such a fitting payoff yeah so organic it's like yeah there would be that moment of satisfaction like aha like i finally got him i could finally prove it and then yeah that instinct to protect immediately comes in because it's like of course, I mean, even though yes, maybe there is some sense of betrayal that he has—he has been, uh, you know, fooling them all this time. But at the end of the day, Clark's their friend, Superman's their friend, their ally, their protector. So it's like a, you know, it's it's natural, organic, like you said. And
1: and I, and I think that they, uh, given the, the given the way that that show developed, and I think the way it is in 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 most of the time, a lot of the times they'll show. Like I think my recollection was that in the in the comics when he when she finally did learn who he was, she was upset with him about it or something. And in my, my feeling is I think that what Lois here does, that instant understanding of why he had to do this. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't looking to be dishonest, but he would, and this is all unsaid, but, uh, you, know, here, you know, feeling the wheels turning is that, you know, anybody who is, has seen both of them up close for as long as they have, I don't think they would be as upset by it. I think they would immediately understand that the reasoning was that he was trying to protect them. So their instinct to protect him for it, I think, makes all the sense in the
0: world. Yeah. And I also think, you know, you look at, you know, whether it's the the comics in the 90s or uh, the Lois and Clark TV show where, yeah, Lois, you know, she has some feelings about it when she finds out. But one big difference in both of those cases is that she and Clark were engaged in a romantic relationship. So there was that whole other layer, but you don't have that here. So, yeah, I mean, like, I think this is perfect. Like, this makes absolute sense. Uh, and yes. I love this. This was again a, a great payoff to this long-running bit in the series. But then, to Lois's surprise, <laughs> Clark shows up because we find out that Clark was was able to split himself into, a la the classic episode, divide and conquer. So it's a great callback uh, to that yeah. episode of the show. Even though personally, I am not a fan of this business that he's able to split well, himself. Well, no, into. of course not, because
1: it's too it's 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 Deus ex machina. It's it's too uh, it's too convenient at the end. But uh, just, but it's still, it's like I, I I had to chuckle when it happened.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. In, in the context of the show and that divide and conquer episode, I'm like, oh man, I know, I, you know, I. I've always felt like, look, he has more than enough powers. We don't need to add more. But to the comic, right. to the to Jim Knoll and Randy Garrett's credit, look, this exists in the canon of the show, so it was a great callback. Right. And I got, I really have to tip my hat to them because they made it clear this is the last time he's able to do this. Right? Yes. It's not easy for yeah. him to do. And he's like, all right, once we fuse, like that's it. We can't do this again. So I like that they put that. They called back, but then they put it to bed. Perfect. It's a, it's right. a it's a great it's a great finish.
1: Mm. And it also plays into that, you know, again, returning it to the status quo of the beginning of the movie.
0: Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say about Secret Planet that we didn't get to?
1: No, I just that I I highly recommend it. I mean, you can see, you know, it's reading a comic book. You sit and spend a half hour reading it or thereabouts. It feels like you're watching an episode or watching a movie. I mean, the time it takes you to read it is about the same time it would take you to, to watch an actual episode. So it's not like you're reading something that takes an hour and a half or hour and 40 minutes to play out. So it's tight, it's well done, um, but it's just it's it's fun, and it's a sweet. The whole thing is such a knowledgeable, uh, passionate. Like I said before, love letter to the show and the characters. They they it's it's not just a simple matter of the fact that they uh, they read the script and, and translated the script. These people know the show they know it and they the references and i knew that there were easter eggs in there and actors that i couldn't immediately identify but i imagine and, and there are also people in their life people probably their friends also because you see all, all other sorts of faces that look a little bit more modern people with longer hair and beards and stuff like that so i i would love to see a key of all of the walk-ons in this in this comic to see who they really were um yeah. So I, as a, it's a, it's whether you want to wait till the entire season of watching the show and then reading this or reading this and then watching either way, you're going to be highly entertained. And when you would ask me to, to do this episode, I was like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. Cause that's different. This is, it's just not talked about enough. So I appreciate it.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate the article that shared this in the first place. And I'm sure it put it on the radar of a lot of other people as well. So thank you for doing that. Thank sure. you to the to Jim Nolt and Randy Garrett for creating this, for bringing the screenplay to life. It's, it's really fantastic. And look, tying this all together for a, a number of reasons, I don't think we'll ever see the Superman 55 comic that a lot of us would like to see, but there's this and man, it's, it's really tremendous. So if yeah. you're an Adventures of Superman fan, I, you know, I, I urge you it's free. It's on jimnolt.com. Go check it out. Superman and the secret planet. I hope everyone. Yeah, the key, I'm sorry. No, no,
1: you please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that is the key is that it's free, which is why they could do it because there, there's no money that changes hands. So, you know, basically they're, you know, they're, they're able to do this without having any kind of, you know, running any kind of uh, problems with DC or the lawyers or anything like that. It's free. So it's, it's basically fanfic only. It's not. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, that that's the thing that's, you know, it, it doesn't cost you a dime. You can just sit down and, and uh, read it and have a good time.
0: Absolutely. And I'll, I'll put the link to this uh, in the show notes as well. Uh, so it's a easier for people to get to. I hope everyone also checks out 13th dimension.com, which is Dan's site uh, and follow on social media. There's the 13th dimension Facebook page and 13th dimension on Twitter. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to plug or direct people to? No,
1: no, no, not at all. I mean, like you said, the, uh, the anniversary of the show is coming up. So we've got something planned as you well know, Um, but your readers don't yet. Um, And uh, I, uh, I'm, you know, I, I, the one thing that's worth, I'll throw one last thing in is that, I don't know if you go to sleep with the TV on or off. I'm the kind of person who likes to go to sleep with the TV on, but one of my go-tos is this series, especially the black and white episodes. There's just something really soothing and nice about going to bed with, with this on in the background. And, and so this has become over the last say three or four years a, a real pe- real part of my life that that had only kind of been in the background for years. So um, I, I came late to the show, but I but I I love it and I, and I love this particular treatment of it. So um, no, that's the only thing I have to add.
0: Right on, oh, like yourself, I came to this late as well. I didn't grow up watching this. I you know I mean I saw episodes here and there, but it didn't it really I guess didn't make that formative an impression on me. But when I when I did my huge viewing uh, for, for episodes of Digging for Kryptonite last year, I just fell in love with it. And, and so here we yeah. are now. So, so thank you, Dan, for taking part in this. Thank you, audience. And really, if you want more Adventures of Superman talk, I hope you will join us next week for the all new podcast series, another exciting episode in the Adventures of Superman, Monday, September 19th, and we'll be back here on Digging for Kryptonite with another all-new episode uh, next Tuesday. We're actually going to be covering the, continuing this theme, right, of uh, comic book adaptations or continuations. Uh, next week, we're covering the Smallville Season 11 comics. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Make sure you check out all of that next week. And until then, as always, it's about what you do. It's about action. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC Movie Rewatch podcast, at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in the adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.